Hey everybody, it's Tom from the Not A Foodie Show. I'm here with Mike Moranti. Hey Mike. Hey guys. We're um, coming at you via Skype because you know we're social distancing. Um, we decided that we were gonna switch up our format a little bit for this episode. Um, we wanna talk about the, the coronavirus and everything that's going on um, with, in regards to how it's affecting the hospitality world. So we've got a few people that we spoke to um, we spoke with Andrea Strong, who was is a friend of the the podcast, a friend of the radio show, and she's been doing some amazing work reporting on um, how people are helping, how people, Her, how restaurants are bonding together. She's she's written articles for Food and Wine and a number of other publications, and so she's going to come on in a little bit to talk about that. We've also got um, another friend of the podcast, Vincent V, who is a consultant uh, express and discard consulting he consults with restaurants and bars and he came on to talk about um, just in general the depth and breadth of, of what's going on in this industry and how he's trying to help and to bring people together with um, a Facebook group food and wine or what is it hospitality solidarity food and beverage solidarity food and beverage that. solidarity yeah. yes um, but really one of the things that I wanted to talk about um, I, I don't work in restaurants. Mike does. So, like, Mike, I, I really know like this has turned your world upside down. It's turned so many people's worlds upside down. Can you just give you know just a few minutes of like yeah. what of yeah where you've been, where you are now, what you're doing, how you're coping, when you lost your job, how that all happened? Yeah. So my I've been doing hospitality since I'm 16. I, I started off scooping ice cream at a hundred year old ice cream parlor. Uh, I went and decided I was wanted to do it, so I got a bachelor's degree in it. Uh, then I came back to New York, and I've worked for Master Somalia, Laura Manic. I've worked for Joe Bastianich. I used to manage one of his restaurants. Uh, Alan Wartsky, I used to manage one of his restaurants. And then most recently, I was the head server at Feroce. Um, I left management, but still staying in restaurants a little bit. Um, so we got there on Thursday, uh, Friday. And we found out that our hours were going to be reduced to only Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So we're we're recording uh, this um, on what's it? What's today? Wednesday. Today's Tuesday. Tuesday. I don't Tuesday the eighteenth. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So we're so this was four days ago. Yep. Uh, and that's why I'm a little bit more well adjusted now than um, I, I wouldn't have been able to do this on Friday. Uh, so. We were told we were just going to reduce our hours to Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And from those days, I usually only work on Friday. So I was going to go from... I'm working part-time because I'm doing other things. I was going to go from about 20 hours a week to like 7 hours a week. Um, and was terrified about that. Then the city shut down all the restaurants on Sunday. Uh, so... I knew it was hap I knew it was going to happen. It has it has to happen. There's no reason for anybody to be going out to bars or restaurants right now. Uh, if you've read anything about this and how it spreads and how fast it can spread and how many people it can kill, um, there there's absolutely no reason to be leaving the house unless you really need something. So I get it, and I'd rather be at home, uh, on watching Netflix or putting a Spotify playlist together, than working at a restaurant where nobody's coming in, I'm making no money and the people coming in might be sick anyway. 
hear you. So that's where I am now. So, but this um, is, and this is, I mean, this is not a, this is, this is a story that affects millions of people all over. It's, this isn't me. This is everybody. Yeah. This is new. So I, I've been saying it. Uh, I, I don't think I said it with the uh, other interview that we did, but I've said it to people where like New York City is really good at three things. We're better at three things than the rest of the world is. And that's finance, hospitality, and uh, theater. And Broadway's black and everyone's uh, uh, stock portfolio is down 30%. And restaurants are black now too, so it's a really scary time for New York City. It's a it's a scary time for every for everyone. But yeah, I get what you're saying. Those are three. I know I know exactly what you're saying. It's devastating. It's devastating, and I think that's that's why you and I decided that you know instead of doing we've got a really good podcast coming up we've got a couple really good podcasts coming up with good guests the best the best podcast that we're ever going to release is the one after this it's the one. one that's coming after this one but yeah. but we decided that we were going to do this one first because this is really of the time and it's something that um it's something that we want to get out there so i think um you know we'll we're, without any further ado we're gonna we're gonna get to uh to andrea and then after that, we'll talk to Vince and, uh, you know, that's it. Um, I know that you've, you've done some writing on this. You've done a lot of research on this. But what are, what are some organizations that are out there that are, that are helping? Um, yeah, I have uh, strangely become the restaurant coronavirus uh, reporter. Um, I don't have coronavirus yet, so... Um, uh, but yeah, I've been reporting for Food and Wine on the impact of coronavirus on restaurants and also writing stories where I interview um, doctors about like the best way to stay safe if you last week, if you were going to restaurants, now they're closed, obviously, um, how to shop for groceries safely, how to receive delivery safely. But um, the two most recent stories I've worked on were um, about uh, the coronavirus shuttering the rest restaurant community and how to support all of those workers who are now out of work and the operators who have had to close their, uh, their businesses. So, um, uh, there are nonprofits that are, that are stepping up, uh, one fair wage, which, um, is an offshoot of the restaurant opportunity center has launched an emergency fund to support tipped workers and service workers, and they are giving out cash, emergency cash, to restaurant workers, delivery drivers, and any tipped or service workers impacted by the coronavirus. Right now, it's a small amount of money. It's $213. That's a nod to the $2.13 federal minimum wage for tipped workers, but it's something. And there goes a long way. Uh, there's a link on uh, the Food and Wine website where my story is to um, to apply for that. Um, another nonprofit that's really cool is called Rethink. Uh, uh, we love Rethink. We've had um, yeah. Matt, yeah, we've had Matt Jelswiak on the podcast before oh. on the radio show. Um, such a great organization. So yeah, what are they doing? I know that they've stepped up heavily. Yeah, they're doing two really cool things. The first is that um, they're hiring. They're hiring back-of-house employees, culinary team members, if you're a cook, if you're a line cook, garden manger, dishwasher, um, if you're uh, someone who's in facilities and operations, they need people for their Brooklyn Navy Yard-based culinary center where they make meals out of salvaged, nutritious food. 
Um, and then they are selling the selling. They're offering these meals free or at a $3 suggested donation to, um, um, to any New Yorker who is hungry or needs the meal. And right now they are offering those meals at their Navy, Brooklyn Navy Yard Cafe and at Little Tong in the East Village. And the next thing that they're doing is they want your restaurant to become a Rethink distribution center. So you can apply, if you're a restaurant owner, you can get a $40,000 grant that will give you money to keep your staff employed, to pay your rent, to you know offset any operating costs right now. And they are going to give you food, their Rethink meals that they've prepared in their culinary center to sell to the public or give away, again, it's they're either free or up to a $3 suggested donation. So in that, it, essentially, if you own a bar or a cafe, you will become a Rethink distribution center, but you get a $40,000 grant. You can keep your people, you can keep paying your staff for a little while, um, and they're accepting applications right now. Uh, again, wow. the link is on the Food & Wine website. So that's another great um, option. There are many different um, community restaurant worker community funds that are being set up across the country. Um, there's the Restaurant Workers Community Foundation that has um, uh, a crisis, a list of resources for anyone who is um, unemployed or, again, has had their restaurant shutter. That, that link is on the Food and Wine article. There's a, the National... Um, the USBG National Charity Foundation, which is a nonprofit started by bartenders, has launched the Bartender Emergency Assistance Program that will be giving cash to any bartender, a bartender spouse, or a child of a bartender. You can apply there. I know that they're also working with um, different liquor brands. Are that's sort of where different liquor brands are um, donating their big, you know, chunks of money is to the yeah. USBG. Yeah. Um, I think Illegal Mezcal was one of them, and there are a couple of others. Yeah, um, there's so much creative community grassroots movement here. On Facebook, there's a group, if you're in the hospitality industry, you should join. It's called the Hospitality Industry Alliance COVID-19 Facebook group, um, and everyone is posting different um, resources that they find, articles that they find. Um, one, a bartender has started a virtual um, cocktail party, um, and you can you can enter this cocktail party on Zoom, and you make the cocktails that the bartender. They have guest bartenders, they have liquor sponsors. You make the cocktail, you participate in the cocktail party, and then you can leave tips. And the oh, wow. are being distributed to um, to the bartenders that are affiliated with the call. So it's really like as horrible and unfathomable and scary as as this is. It's kind of it's like nine eleven when everyone really the the everyone is rising up. Everyone is coming together. Um, I know as a parent with homeschool, like our kids are doing FaceTime chats and we're trying to keep the kids occupied, but it's the same way I see in the in the hospitality industry. Everyone is really coming up with creative ways to support each other. Um, in, uh, in Chicago, a bunch of restaurants have come together and they're selling t-shirts. Um, they're $25 each, and I think overnight they raised, I don't know, $40,000 or something. I, 
I feel like that's one of the things where, you know, there was a, a meme going around where, you know, order gift certificates from restaurants because it, it helps with their cash flow. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the things that I keep telling people is a, a lot of restaurants offer merch. Like, just go out and buy merch. Go buy hats and T-shirts and, you know, that's that helps with cash flow. Yeah, it's not something that is going to make a big impact on their books or whatever, but it if it means being able to stay open for a little while longer or just sort of relieving some of the pressure, then, yeah. then it helps. Yes, gift certificates, merchandise, um, you know, making a donation to um, the restaurant relief fund, um, anything that, that you can do. If you're a business and you can hire someone, if you can hire a porter, you can hire, if you need a babysitter, like there are... Um, you know, think of creative ways that you can reach out to your community and help, you know, your waitress that you remember from your local tavern or whatever, you know, um, social media, I think is really helping to bring people together. So check out the Facebook group, the Hospitality Industry Alliance. Um, there's a lot of really heartwarming um, ways to to reach out and, you know, giving, making donations is, is really a, a good one. You know, every little bit helps. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, I think that what I love about this is, you know, it's an industry that um, everyone knows how hard it is to be part of this industry. Everyone knows how hard it is to, you know, to work a shift or to open a restaurant. Um, And because of that, everyone, everyone's in sort of the same battle. Right. And they they wink at each other because they're they knowingly are, you know, family. Um, in the right. hospitality industry. So when adversity happens, um, they step up. They really but do. I, you know, th- these are all well and good, but there's also, there needs to be something larger. There needs to be some larger relief, you know, federally or something yeah. like that. Um, because this is a huge problem. If yeah, we don't get a bailout, uh, you know, the restaurant industry is just going to collapse. Yeah. Yeah, I there, think. There's no other way to look at yeah. it. I'm hoping the legislation passes. I mean, the fact that it's that it hasn't yet is alarming. Um, yes. There's another um, program that I want to mention. It's called um, it's at supportrestaurants.org. It's called Dining Bonds, um, and this is started by a bunch of people in the hospitality industry, including Stephen Hall. I don't know if you know him. He's a Stephen Hall. The Stephen yeah. Hall. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Very basically, well. it's. Um, a dining bond works like a savings bond where you can purchase a bond at a value and a rate to be redeemed for face value. So you can buy a hundred dollar bond for $75. Um, and, and these, you can buy these bonds and all the money is going to support restaurants right now. Um, and it's a national movement and that's at supportrestaurants.org. Um, another really good one. Um, well, it's a, it's such a creative it's such a creative solution to you yeah. know, to this problem, and I think that that's uh, again that says something about the industry. It's the best industry. I mean, you know, I have been thinking about, and I'm sure everyone has about 9/11 because that's sort of the most um, comparable way that I felt. Um, and I remember in the days and the nights following 9/11 how. Don Pintabona and Gray Coons, may he rest in peace, and Daniel Balud, um, Charlie Palmer, they all got together, and Don looked around and was like, we have to be able to get the food here, and we can't do it by, on the, on the roads, we can do it by the river. 
And he was like, what about those cruise ships? And he went up and contacted the cruise ships docked. And he said, if I can get food delivered here, can I use your ships to feed the first responders? And, you know, he, with chefs and Drew Nipar and, and um, all those guys and, and women who went down and fed the first responders, when you think about crisis in our country and around the world, really, Jose Andres is another great example. The people who feed you are the ones who step up. They are always there. And now they are the ones in trouble. So they, that's really, it's, it's our time to support them. Wow. Very, very well said. Very well said. Um, Andrea, thank you so much for, for talking with us. I mean, this is something we had no idea how we were going to sort of move on with the podcast when, you know, in this weird world, like who wants to listen to a podcast about, you know, food and dining right now. But, um, but I I mean, we want to do whatever we can to amplify the good that's out there and, and, you know, any ways to help. So, we really appreciate you taking the time. Um, yeah, thank and- you so much for thinking of me and <laughs> listeners. Um, definitely check on the Food & Wine uh, website. Look at the stories that, that I've written. I have another one going up today about all of the uh, charities and nonprofits working to ensure that those who are food insecure are um, are fed. And so it's that's another story that will go up so you can take a look at that too. But um, stay well, everyone. Take care of yours and, and others and the community. Thanks, Andrea. Andrea, thank, thank you. you so much. Great to talk to you. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. <laughs> We've got with us uh, Vincent V. Vincent Vince has been a uh, he was a he was a guest on the podcast. Oh, Vince, early he's on, been a right? friend for years. He's been a friend for Vince, years. You and me have all been friends for very long. Yes, and so Vince. So that, I was going to say Vince is uh, it, Vince runs a um, a hospitality consulting service consulting company called Express and Discard, and we wanted to talk to Vince just about um, about everything that's been going on in in his world. Um, Vince, I think first of all, welcome. Thanks for talking to us. Thanks for having me. And I, I think like the big thing that. I wanted to talk to you about is, you know, you touch a lot of, you touch a lot of different businesses, a lot of different, different restaurants and bars and hospitality, you know, services with your consulting company. Um, what's the biggest thing? What's the big, what's the biggest sort of scariest thing that you've seen happen over the past week? Well, I, I mean, the big thing, just the, the big elephant rooms that I, I've watched about probably 75 to 85% of the people I know lose their jobs over the last, say, three days. Um, that's been pretty crazy to see. And it's, uh, you know, it's a lot of people are trying to charge ahead, but I, I, I really think that you're going to see even, you know, that last 15, 20% or whatever that's left, I think you're going to see a lot of them losing their jobs over the next, uh, you know, week or two as this uh, continues to go on yeah what, just I, the mass amount of people is pretty just it's no one scary. wants to move their money well i mean it's it's just it's unprecedented right to have like an industry like this just all of a sudden in days completely have this mass amount of layoffs and just completely dry up um and no hope for getting another job someplace else it's not like yeah. There's other restaurants that we can go and get jobs yeah. at. Right. Anytime it's soon. It's not like either, we got right? laid off 
it's not like our restaurant closed. It's ev- the whole industry's gone. And all the adjacent industries that make their money off of the restaurant industry, now they're all on life support too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's insane how, I mean, the ripple effects are going to be um, seen on this for, you know, for, for years. Um, I mean, the immediate future is completely cloudy. We have no idea when restaurants are going to come back, um, if certain restaurants are going to come back, I guess. Um, Vince, one of the things that I wanted to mention was uh, I noticed um, you started a, a Facebook group like right away that was sort of a food and beverage hospitality in solidarity Facebook group. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Like how, why did you decide to start it and how much it's grown over the past few days? Uh, yeah, I started a group called food and beverage solidarity. Um, and I found a couple of friends, a couple of people actually used to work with that station house are helping me along with a couple other people we've met. And, uh, like, honestly, I was looking at some of these other groups like, uh, thirsty and there's one like industry United and people were just spreading mass amounts of disinformation and also people just like, you know, saying they're going to go to work. They don't care if they're sick. And just, it was just a really toxic environment. And like with all this going on, you know, there was a lot of good stuff in those groups too. Don't get me wrong, but like, just because it was such a big tent where they were allowing people to come in and, you know, claim it was a, you know, conspiracy theory and that like, you know, it's no big deal. We should all still go to work and ignore the ban. Like just this kind of attitude just really aren't helpful right now. We all really need Vince. to come together. And so, you know, I thought it'd help create a space where we could do that. Vince, didn't you say that some place was still open after they ban- after they did the ban in the Facebook group? Yeah, no, they were, uh, I saw some pictures of uh, police going around and uh, enforcing the ban that got spread around. It was like the South Brooklyn foodie group that uh, I'm part of. Uh, but yeah, they were showing cops going in and busting up bars. Uh, like they're, they're definitely unfortunate. Well, it's crazy to me that I, like I saw someone uh, tweet something that, you know, oh, this is going to be the age of, you know, the speakeasy. The speakeasy is going to make a comeback. And I'm like, no, that's that's not the point of this whole thing. Like, I understand the hustle. I understand that people need to pay their bills. Um, and unfortunately, like we're at a point now where. You can't do that. If you're going to do something illegal, if you're going to start a speakeasy, you're putting more people in danger than, you know, than it's not worth you just paying your bills. And that's a hard thing to say to someone who needs to pay their bills, who needs to put food on the table. So it's it's such a fucked up predicament we're in right now where, you know, people have to be conscious of that. People have to be conscious of, you know, I can't really be doing this. Even like these little pop up, you know, delivery services that are coming up. That's great. Um, as long as you are adhering to certain social distancing rules, you know, it's it's such a yeah, well, it's such a weird place to be. Well, community and businesses that do manage to survive this whole ordeal are inevitably going to be successful due to a combination of location, luck, clever ideas, uh, the ability to pivot business models. The cold hard truth is that there is no realistic scenario in which the vast majority of food and beverage workers' lives won't be destroyed without the injection of just huge amounts of capital directly to workers. Most likely we need more a bailout. capital the state governments are going to be capable of. 
Yeah, it's uh, it, it. You do need some sort. Of, we you need assistance. We need assistance. I mean, this is there is no safety net. I mean, I can't even imagine. So there's no safety net for people who have been doing this, you know, for their whole lives, who have been successful in doing this their whole lives, who have employed, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people through this. And uh, it's it's very concerning. Um, but let's let's touch back on, you know, one of the things that you just said, which was, you know, the ability to pivot. Are you seeing that a lot in, in your clients? Like, are you getting phone calls? Like, how do we set up a to-go station or anything like that? Well, I'm coming out of the slow season, and so things were just starting to pick up for me. I was getting a lot of calls, and uh, yeah, I had one client that I just sent a contract over to, and then the next day they reduced everything by 50%, so that got delayed. And so the last client that I was working with now, um, basically, he's got to pivot into trying to strip down to a smaller menu, uh, doing delivery, trying to... Um, trying to take advantage of some of the alcohol delivery laws that they relaxed here in New York. The SLA is allowing restaurants to deliver alcohol, um, which, you know, was pre previously forbidden. So I'm mean, trying to do some like cocktail crafts and uh, he's going to boost his selection of craft beer uh, by the cans. Um, so hopefully maybe he can, you know, you can get some beers at the grocery store or at the you know bodega where I guess people are going to be buying beer for a minute at least. Yeah. Are you, um, have you seen anything that sort of strikes you as, well, that's a really great idea. This is a great way to sort of help get us through this with any businesses. I mean, obviously there's the, you know, the, the liquor delivery, um, anything sort of innovative that you've seen? Uh, I mean, I, I've seen a couple of people, you know, basically trying to become a little bit of like an online market. <laughs> like I've even seen people like trying to put toilet paper on their food menus <laughs> to deliver stuff out. Um, I, I don't, uh, these are all going to be very like piecemeal solutions. And um, I, I don't know what, one of the things that's really striking to me uh, is just how few business owners are really like, making an honest assessment about whether they can or, you know, should continue. Um, I, I'm seeing a lot of people just like trying to drag on, not letting their employees know what's going on. And, you know, quite frankly, if we're out for six weeks, most places can't afford to stay open. You, then, and you, they need you, gotta the, hear this, you gotta hear this shit on Twitter. I saw Marriott is reducing all of their employees hours to zero hours not laying them off and not like giving them health insurance. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just uh, despicable. I'm, I saw Alamo Draft House did the same thing, and like I have a lot of sympathy for small places. You know, you got 15 employees. You know, these people can't afford to be offering health insurance. It really shouldn't be on businesses to provide people health insurance in the first place, if you ask me. Mm -hmm. uh, but what's what's crazy is like these people that do have the money, like Marriott, like they can afford to take care of people for a minute. Uh, these these corporate chains that you know have already made millions upon millions of dollars for their investors, like they they can afford to at least keep the insurance going for a month and a half or something like that. Like uh, it's I, I don't know. I really think that everyone in the food and beverage industry should be paying a lot of attention to how the corporations and communities that we interact with is behaving right now. Like have a memory about this. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, Jameson just dropped, you know, I think half a million dollars to help bartenders. Uh, where are all the other brands that 
you know, we plug daily and, you know, yeah, you know, and they for we 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 do events for like where's everyone else at? Where's where's Tito's? Where's Diageo? Where's yeah. you know? I saw illegal illegal mezcal is also you know contributing. I, I mean, what are some of the good brands out there that are that are helping? Honestly, I really haven't seen much from brands, and most of the stuff that I have seen has been really self serving. Yeah, uh, I've seen people jumping up in these groups, uh, trying to offer free sign up fees for their subscription based like POS services and stuff. Yeah, and it's like that you offer that to people. If I called to negotiate for a client, you would have offered that to me in the first place. Like all this is is an opportunity for you to try to cash in on this because people are paying attention to stuff. And so honestly, I'm not really seeing that much. You know, I've seen toasts being like, "Oh, we won't charge you for 30 days." Like, "Oh, wow, that's that's wide of you." <laughs> all the all the delivery services are waiving their delivery fees to help restaurants out. But but they're not. But they're not. <laughs> what they're, they're doing? They're no, no. That no. was what they're doing is they're making it so that you have to pay those fees at a later date. They're waiving oh, them for now, but what they're postponing fucking them. Fucking assholes! Yeah, and I don't pieces even believe shit. What predatory pieces of shit? That's uh, so I don't know. That's one thing that if it's. If you're in a more population dense area and you're trying to move over to delivery, uh, I have seen a couple of people trying to pivot and turn a few of their front of house employees into delivery people. So, like, if you can ride around on a bike or deliver by hand, say you're in a very, very population dense place where you know there's enough people to do that, that might be a way to keep on a couple workers and not have those uh, delivery fees go into Uber Eats or DoorDash or whoever. Yeah, I mean, well, that's I think that's the advice that I always that I'm sort of that I'll give to my friends to talk about like you know like I I cook at home a lot and I went out and I stocked up and I got all my stuff I could stay here at my house for without going out for weeks and I'll be fine I've got enough proteins and you know and vegetables frozen and canned and preserved you know and I am not the norm right I fully am aware of that but even because of that I make sure that once a day I order from a local business for delivery. If they're offering delivery, I get delivery from them because I want them to be here in, you know, a month. And it's it's a little drop in the bucket, but it's it's what I can contribute right now, you know, and I think that that's something that everyone needs to be aware of. Everybody that I know that owns a restaurant or manages a restaurant that's still open and they're delivering uh, food or cocktails, I'm plugging them on my Instagram story. It doesn't matter if they're in Brooklyn or Queens or the city. Um, if I know them and I, I see that they're still open for business, I'm just, if one person sees it and orders something for 30 bucks, that's $30 that they didn't have before that. Yeah, exactly. Vince, what would you like to see in sort of a relief package? What do you, what do you think, you know, if there's two or three things that are like of utmost importance in a relief package, whether it's from the government or from whoever, like what, what do you think needs to be addressed very quickly? Well, I'm fairly sure there will be some level of direct financial assistance to the food and bev industry. I'm worried that's not going to be enough. Uh, they're floating around a thousand dollars. That's, that's one week's pay. Um, so if people get one week's pay, uh, after already being away, from work for two weeks and then that's another two weeks from now that we get it like getting getting one week pay every four weeks it's going to be hard for people especially in, in expensive urban areas like san francisco new york chicago to, to get by on these salaries um but one of the things i'm most worried about is that there's going to be a lot of people who fall through the cracks 
And I think it's unfortunately going to be a lot of the people who are already in the most vulnerable positions um, to start with. Uh, those without proper immigration documents are already being terrorized before any of this pandemic stuff started. Uh, there's also a lot of people who get paid off the books often so that their employers can avoid paying overtime. And those people are likely not going to get full payments uh, out of whatever packages come through. Uh, add to this the huge number of consultants, uh, independent contractors, uh, self-employed small business owners like myself. Like I. Uh, I, I can't pay myself <laughs> a wage right now. Right. Like, uh, like, what, the, like right now, the New York government, like they're saying, like it's no big deal. I can just count on myself to pay myself. Uh, you know, for the next, you know, I have to give myself severance pay. But you know, businesses <laughs> don't have it, so I don't know. I'm just worried about people following through the cracks. Is, is like the thing that I'm. Yeah. They're not going to give people enough, and then there's going to be people who don't even get those minimum things. So. Uh, direct financial assistance is what I guess the short answer is on that. I hear you. It's, I hear you. it's also not just for for people. Like it, it needs to be for the whole industry. Like I've seen a lot of uh, owner versus worker tension, and uh, to a certain extent, like I'm glad that there's this class solidarity, you know, class consciousness coming around for some workers. But at the same time, I don't really feel like it's business owners, like they didn't do this. And there's literally, literally nothing that they can do to fix it. Like it's, it's not, they're not, this isn't a case of business owners being greedy and sitting on their big piles of cash uh, while the peasants go starve, you know, maybe with a couple exceptions like Marriott and you know, some of these big companies. Uh, but yeah. the business owners are going to need help and the workers are going to need help. And obviously uh, in my, my, my opinion, if those two groups advocate together that both of each other be included in any sort of relief package, that would be the best thing that could possibly happen for our industry right so, now. I, I agree. I agree our, 100%. Our president yesterday took a 930 uh, White House call with the restaurant industry. Uh, here was who was representing the restaurant industry. Domino's Pizza, Chick-fil-A, Subway, Restaurant Brand International, International Franchise Association, Bloomin' Brands, McDonald's USA, Yum Brands, Raising Cane's, Darden Restaurants, Papa John's, Wendy's, and the National Retail Federation. I yeah. just threw no up. Danny Meyer, That's no David disgusting. Chang, no that not a single famous multimillionaire restaurateur who understands what actually needs to go on. And you know that's also a list of basically everyone who's been opposed to making sure that restaurant workers get fifteen dollars an hour too. Like it's yeah, a million. Yeah, Vince. The last thing that you you said when you were talking about um, getting both sides together, um, getting the owners and and the workers together in these smaller restaurants. I think that's key to everything. Um, and I think that that's that's a really good point, and I hope that they're you know that people sort of take take up on that. Um, but in, in the meantime, I want to you know we're sort of running low on time. Can so can you just talk about your your Facebook group? What's what's the name of the group? How do people find it? Um, it's called Food and Beverage Solidarity. It's uh, we've got a page. Uh, it's at FB Solidarity. Uh, we'll follow, and there's a link to the group if you want to be part of the discussions that people are having, sharing resources. Um, uh, because I really do think that, you know, this crisis is going to demand a national response. 
I think it's going to take a national movement of food and beverage workers willing to demand the same bailouts that have been repeatedly offered to financial, automotive, uh, banking, manufacturing sectors of our economy. Uh, there's over 16 million people, I think, in the hospitality industry. And a lot of us suddenly have a bunch of time on our hands. And I really think that, you know, we really need to be using some of this time to advocate for our industry with a focus on workers' rights. And so we're just kind of hoping that uh, this group can maybe you know, serve as an opportunity for some people to share resources and get organized. I hear you. Great. Well, I, thanks, for, thanks for taking the time and talking with us. And, um, you know, hopefully uh, we'll have you back soon and things will be a lot different in a better way. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Cool. Thank you, Vince. So that's it. That's our that's our special episode. Um, like we said at the beginning, we've got a really special episode coming up next. It was a really cool episode for it was the best episode that we've ever done. Um, but we felt like it was the right time to release this episode. Uh, Mike, do you have anything that you want to add? Yeah, um, I just want to shout out a couple of things. Um, I want to shout out the entire hospitality industry. Uh, from like dishwashers all the way to David Chang, uh, New York to San Francisco. Everyone's coming together online. Everyone's offering support to each other. Uh, friends of mine, old employees, coworkers of mine have checked in on me. I'm checking in on people. Uh, in this time of like social distancing and self-quarantine, uh, it's really important to just be still social and talk to everybody. Um, and then I wanted to shout out Phil Hughes, uh, the, the former Yankee pitcher. Uh, he was on the 2009 World Series championship team with the Yankees. He's super active on Twitter. And uh, he, he said uh, he was looking to help some people out that are affected by this. And I told him what happened to me. And he went above and beyond. Uh, and he really like made me cry. Oh, that, that's uh, awesome. So just, that's, a, that's so yeah, great so, to hear. So Phil, thank you so much for just being so kind to a stranger. Um, yeah, that, that's it. All right. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of the Not A Foodie Show. Um, like I said, we're going to be back with a really great episode. Um, this is a great episode, but we're going to be back with a fun episode next week. Um, everybody be well, and we'll talk to you soon. Stay safe. Bye.